Welcome everybody to Kingdom Talks. I've got Christopher Carter and Judith Arnold with me and we're going to talk about Kingdom Restoration Age for Kids. We'll be back right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks. We engage with leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations to awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, KingdomTalksMedia.com. You can help us get the word out by liking, subscribing, and sharing with your friends. Now, enjoy the conversation. All right, welcome everybody. Chris Carter and Judith Arnold here with me. Uh, we're going to talk about Kingdom Restoration Age for kids. And I know this is something that's on both of your hearts. So I'm going to just have one of you take it away. And if one of you doesn't jump on it, then I will um, name somebody. I'll call out your name. So All go right, ahead. Judith, let's just settle this the old fashioned way, paper, rock, scissors over Zoom. Okay, ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> no, well, Judith, I think you, you got to start a little bit and tell people your story because it's yeah. a fascinating story. Okay. That is actually very good because most people, Judith, I don't think know you that well. So share a little bit. Like you're, okay. like Chris said, he took it away. He literally took it away and yeah. started. <laughs> I feel like I'm hosting my show. Kind of a co-host today. <laughs> More than an interviewee, you know. I'll ask the questions today, Gil. You, you just sit. <laughs> all right, I'll just hang back. Good. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, so, Judith. Uh, well, I came to the Lord in the '70s in the Jesus People Movement, and um, I I came from a quite well-educated, good family on the East Coast. My father was Ivy League educated. Have two brothers, both have PhDs. Uh, and that was a considered a good family, but there was a lot of dysfunction. It was a it was a, a, a church going family. I never really met the Lord, but I knew the Lord. He was ever present. So I went to college. Um, I was smoking weed and popping some pills, but that didn't work. So I decided to really seek, and I went into Buddhism. I started meditating. I explored religions, and a friend of mine came to me and told me about the simple love of Jesus. And asked me, do you want to receive God into your heart? And Jesus in your heart? I said, sure. I wasn't high, by the way. So just so you know. And, uh, <laughs> that is good to know. And I opened my heart to the Father. And wow, man, something just came over me. Like, a, I mean, I had an experience with God. And, and I said, why am I doing anything else but serving him? And that was in 1972. Yeah. And from there, I joined this, uh, what was considered a cult, but it was a Jesus people movement called the Children of God. And I joined and they did, I said, I want to go in the mission field. I want to serve the Lord. So, um, and I spent a year in the U.S. just doing Bible classes and witnessing. Basically, that was it. No kind of funny stuff. And then went off to Europe in 73. And there was already different homes there and stuff. And that's where I met my husband who was American, that his name is Carl. And he, we opened a club for young people because our passion was always youth. And we opened a nightclub and father opened, gave us a warehouse. We rebuilt it. We had a band. Uh, we had one of the Fleetwood Mac uh, guitar players in our band. And I mean, we had, it wow. was, it was that's good. cool. We had like a, a <laughs> we had our discipling team and we'd get we were open on weekends we charged money for it because it was 
It was a restaurant, and guess what it had? It had a bar in it, and it was in Europe, right? So you think about this in the 70s. And we rocked it because we do these skits, and they continually get more deeper and deeper, and finally they come to a salvation message, but it wasn't about the church. It was about experiencing Father. And we'd wow. have 150 to 160 kids come every night. We'd have lines up for about two and a half years until one day the mafia showed up at the at the gate, at the door, and said, we're sh shutting you down. You're interfering with our nightlife. And so my husband immediately, and that was John, I mean, what was his name? Johnny Catucci or something. He was ahead of the mafia then. My husband started witnessing to him, and he became, he would travel with them <laughs> to tell them about the Lord. And, of course, Franco Zeffirelli was there doing the, the, the original Jesus movement thing. The Lord led us to this guy let us to meet him, meet the Lord. And part of our team was in the movie, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. So that it was just an exciting time. And that was Italy. No kidding. Yeah. So we, we got married, my husband and I, and we had a, you know, Italian marriage, a super simple, you know, thing. And we started to have family and our children uh, were born at home, uh, two of them in Italy. And then we became more responsible and started overseeing France and Switzerland for this, this movement. And we'd open homes and we basically discipled. That's all we did. We'd bring kids to the Lord and they would want to serve the Lord. We'd help them off drugs or whatever. So we had uh, two children. We were in Italy and the, the older one turned four or five. I said, hey, we got to do something about schooling. And that's the home of Marie Montessori. So we started looking into Montessori. We you know, couldn't buy equipment and stuff at that time. So one of the ha of the rooms in one of the houses that we had turned into a little school. And we brought all the kids from the different communities and different people interested, and we started homeschooling our kids. And this literally was 45 years ago. And, of course, my parents are going bananas because they're going, why aren't you going to educate your children? I said, we are educating our children because our children were, they were integrated in everything we did. <laughs> And so they learned music, they learned art, they learned the language, they learned everything. And then we moved to France at one point. We lived in different places of France. And of course, our kids could speak the language. We could all speak French. And we moved to Switzerland. We were in the French-speaking part of Switzerland. We were there for a few years. And then God called us to Thailand in the early 80s. And within two weeks, we, the Lord supplied the money. We went to Thailand. And when we arrived in Thailand, there were some people in the same group but we just kind of branched out and decided we were going to just follow where father led. And we had three more children there and we were in Thailand for 25 years. And wow. from that time, we learned so much because our kids were just an integrated part of our life. And as they grew in the final years that we were there, they were accomplished musicians. They were fluent to this day in the language. And we would go into the orphanages and the homes for youth that they would never let foreigners in because some of our friends were government officials. And one of the government officials released us to help train uh, youth and, and stuff as they came out of the, the disciplinary system, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, or they were put there by the judges and we worked with them very integrated and we helped them and they helped us as well because we learned a lot from them about living off the land and being thankful for small things because this is thailand and when we were there in the early 80s they didn't even have air conditioning and the, the taxis the doors were falling off the thing we're, we're like there with three small kids but father had our back so through that we learned so much about what education is really supposed to be 
came back to the States in 2005. Our youngest were teenagers. And that was after the tsunami that, that hit. And we were very involved with the recovery there that was very impactful wow. for the family. Um, we came back to the States and it changed, had changed. We visited a few times, but it had changed so dramatically, especially the education system. And we put our kids into into um, public school because we didn't have a choice. We didn't know what was, you know, what was going on. I couldn't pump gas. I mean, we were like aliens coming into this, and it was really <laughs> bizarre. But God had our back, and He led us to various believers, and we started to grow. And you know, there was the Toronto outpouring and the International House of Prayer and Bethel Church, and we got very involved with that whole thing. In the meantime, our kids were kind of learning to adjust, and so. It was, you know, a success story in that they, they navigated through high school, but when they landed in high school, from where they were academically and where the U.S. was at, and this is not a personal attack on anything but a system, they were about two years ahead. And so they kind of checked out a little bit and, you know, got in a bit of trouble, but father has their back, and they're doing very well. So in the meantime, we moved to Texas. I worked, my husband and I worked at a children's home for at-risk youth, and we worked with kids as they aged out of the foster care system. At one time, we had 13 kids we were responsible for, and 10 of them lived with us. And again, that was an experience because it helped us to wow. understand wow. what is it like in the U.S., because we were coming from a very different paradigm. And it took us that long. Then we opened a nonprofit in 2016 and um, called the Destiny Portal and moved into the inner city of Houston. And then there we, again, it would unpack, the father unpacked a whole different strategy for reaching the youth that were really troubled. And it was all about communication, unconditional love, and allowing them to express themselves fully. So that kind of capsulizes a long period in a thing. But then I, just by a miracle, I can't even remember how, but all of a sudden I found you, I said, wow, I'm looking for a community that respects the individuality of the, of the believer and promotes them, but also releases them and helps them feel a part of a bigger body. So that's why I'm here. And I feel Father has placed me, and I honor you all very much for allowing me mm -hmm. to be able to move through this process and bring as many people that are searching for answers for their kids and how to navigate through all this. It's not like I have all the answers, but Father does. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> and that's actually very, very spectacular. And I've, I've heard your story in a little bit more detail here and there and, and just really honor you, Judith, for the journey you've been on. And even there's been some people on here that I know have um, seen Michael Basham. He's been on here and you guys yeah. crossed paths, yes. uh, you know, yeah. in those days. Uh, you were part of the same cult, as you call it. Um, yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing is the people like you and, and Michael and others, I'm sure, that were looking for truth moved on, you know, you, you moved on. You didn't, you didn't get stuck there, but I want to come back to, you know, what you were saying about being released. Uh, you know, Dean and I just really feel strongly that we have got to bring people in and release them yes. uh, to do what they're called to do. So yeah. this movement really is, there goes Christopher, man. Where, where did he go? What's, he went what's to he the doing? North Pole. Now he came back. <laughs> oh, that's what you went for. Where's mine? Where's mine? Uh, it's right there. Just grab it. <laughs> anyway, it's just, it, it is very, becoming very obvious that yeah. we, you know, this movement is for mature people. And yet yeah. we still have to figure out a way to bring 
people into this movement. Um, and, and so there's a challenge that I don't really have an answer for, but I feel like you're studying in this area. That's why you're part of this movement, because that's what God's called you to. And Chris, you've you've been involved in this, too. So um, uh, I'll, I'll shut up and let you say a few words on your part in this whole thing and what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my my part in it is uh, teaching high school, you know, here where I lived in Florida. And, you know, probably, I, I, th- I mean, I've always had a little bit of a, an opinion, let's say, about education. <laughs> so, you know, we've homeschooled our kids. We've done different things. But, you know, I'm, my wife says I have a lot of strong opinions about a lot of things. And so this was just another one of those things that I had a very strong opinion about because, I don't know, it just, you know, I remember being very bored in school. And uh, and not feeling like I left high school with with a whole lot of substance, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. I, I I tried to pick up what I could in college, but you know, you you really you have this potential when you're young to to get so much good stuff if, if people would sort of give it to you, you know, like if they would hand you what you're really looking for. And and um, so I taught high school, and I found that uh, you know the the ninth through the twelfth graders that I was that I was teaching were incredibly hungry for something real, something meaningful, something that was full of spirit and life. So it was no trouble at all to tell them, you know, because they eventually find out what you do, you know, so they, mm-hmm. they knew about the books I had written. And and there was no trouble to really, you know, usher them into an experience of this is what a life that's that's focused on eternal things is like. This is your access to the heavens and, you know, all those kinds of things. Um I think the more that I did that job and then, uh, you know, the more I I started to think, you know, we should reimagine this, like we should reimagine what education can really do. So that, that was like one factor. The other two factors were my wife uh, put a book in my hands called weapons of mass instruction. And uh, have you, have you read that Judith? No, but you told me. I need to read it. Okay. Oh my goodness. For anybody that educates on any level at all, or for any parent that's sending your kid to school, it's a book worth reading. And I think it's the sequel to the book, Dumbing Us Down. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, Dumbing Us Down. I think the subtitle is like the hidden agenda of, I don't know, the hidden curriculum of, of, of education or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I read this book and I, and, and I like was literally living it as a teacher. And the book was essentially pointing out how much, school today is really a system designed to create consumers and it's not at all designed to make creators and that and that was like a calculated decision right uh he even tracks and this is just crazy and what's this guy i think i think his last name is um gato g-a-t-t-o frank maybe his first name frank gato weapons of mass instruction dumbing us down great books Okay. Again, even if you're not a teacher, just read it to understand the education system in the Western world. But he even went so far as to chart how many patents were being put in. In other words, how inventive were we? And there were like the the, or, the number of patents being put in before we had compulsory mass education versus every year once they made once they made age, going to school compulsory, like a matter of law the number of inventions and patents in this country kept going down. Oh, wow. that's amazing. As, <laughs> as has the literacy rate that's as well. Right. That's right. So, so we're actually becoming more illiterate. Wow. The longer this has gone on, he made this statement in this book, you know, anytime you read books, you really love, I always feel like I remember all these little tidbits from it. You know? <laughs> okay. 
And uh, he made this statement that there's no other, um, what did he say? There's no other government agency. There's no other business. There's no, there's no anything. There's no institution that is as large as the education system is in this country that fails so much to do the basic job it's been given. And we still have to pay them to do this job that they're failing at job. or we go to jail. <laughs> he was like, he's like this, there's no other, there's nothing else in the world that works that way. Wow. You know, that if you don't go to something that is repeatedly failing at its job, you're somehow a criminal, you know? So he tells so many incredible stories. So, you know, I'm teaching high school. I'm reading that book that ruined me. Uh, those books did. I actually made that book kind of part of our required reading in philosophy the last year that I taught. And um, and then maybe, you know, maybe the the third factor in all of this is this sort of next age idea that whatever's coming in the future, it's going to require some connection with nature. Now, I know this is incredibly unprofessional, but my hot water heater is busted and leaking and I have to take this maintenance call. So I will be <laughs> right back. All right. Well, Judith. Um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Actually, so I wanted to just share a couple things really quick. And that is, um, you know, there have been several educational shows that I have uh, had on Kingdom Talks here in the last few weeks. And it was not my intent to create this season where there was all these uh, educational pieces brought to the table. This is something, as far as I'm concerned, Father has designed this. I didn't have a clue. I knew the two of you were going to be talking about education, but I interviewed Amy Leaney. I saw who, that. Uh, it was great. It was great. Go ahead. And that was, that was a total impromptu uh, interview, so to speak, because I was ready for it, but she thought we were just getting on Zoom to say hi and get to know one another. And I'm like, no, I have you scheduled for a show. Let's do a show. That's <laughs> so. beautiful. And it came off so, so good. And, you know, it made me really think. I don't know if you're done. I don't mean to interrupt. Were you done? No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it made me really process because I felt like her journey was kind of similar to mine and, and very idyllic. And I felt like um, that it, it, it was really beautifully expressed on um, how they've been able to do this. And then my mind goes to that works good for that particular situation. And I know that so many moms look at that and parents look at that and say, wow, if that could be. But then we have to look at that comparing thing and that, you know, yeah. the obstacles that each parent has, a single parent, you know, handicapped children. I mean, there's so many. And I know she thinks about that, but I, that's what I loved about it because it was so pure and it was so beautiful. And it really caused me to go deep and say, OK, Father, how what is my place? And helping to bring that single mom who's struggling that wants to be able to educate their kid like that and wants to do that, what is the answer? But the father said very clearly, it's not your problem. Go to me because I see them. And then, you know, like he said to you know, Hagar, I'm the God who sees Elroy. And he sees that dilemma and he sees that. And that's an opportunity because God's placed us and, and tooled us so differently <laughs> I mean, I'm on the verge of going into a third generation now. I have 12 grandchildren. My oldest granddaughter's 23. I mean, if you can believe it. So the thing wow. is, is that father is saying, 
you planted this and there were things that we did wrong and there were things we really learned about community living, but it isn't the end all. The end all always is going to father, building that relationship. What does that right. look like? And maybe you are compelled to put your kids in school. And I know there's parents that are, they're troubled by that. But somehow as God's people, we, I feel that even from watching that thing from Amy, I feel like that father com confirmed in me that my part is a conductor and that each person that I'm conducting is to play their instrument and to play their instrument unto the father with the fullness and the beauty and the purity of how Come he created that. And it's yeah. not my thing to be the big name and to be the big person that does everything, but to lead them. So Adina helped me open a, a group on um, Mighty Networks. And now we have a public group on Mighty Next where we have a kind of a one group that's kind of leadership that we're hearing from father and getting some direction. And the next group, we're opening it up. And what? And there are two or three people in that group that have written books. Go. I'm going to have you hold on for one second because I do want you to share that. But we need we do need to take a break. We actually are way over because we, uh, this time went by fast. Um, anyway, we'll be right back after this and we'll talk about those groups. Okay. Join the Kingdom Restoration Age online conference through the recordings. Well, I just want to say what awesome teaching has been on. The only solutions that exist are in the tree of life. And the goal is be loved. It's not just about speaking, it's about application. Do not stop at any one place. And Reformation to me is you're taking a system back to its original intent. Activate you into the fullness of who you are meant to be in your restoration design. Would you show us what on earth is going on? I mean, you just go for it, and but you do it together. The diversity, the love, taught and demonstrated for how we need to operate and be transformed to thrive in this next age we have already stepped into. And I will often engage with my perfected self. We have to be in it. It wasn't that. You know what changed? And you know what I found out? I, I really want to do this, but I'm scared. And then trust your very first impressions about how the Lord looks today. Color, clothing, expression on the Lord's face. The rawness, the bareness, and man, that's what we need, Steve. I won't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> See our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com, for more information. All right, we're back. <laughs> Instantly, <Right>. huh? <laughs> Chris, what are you laughing about? This is very professional. We have to keep just, a straight face. <laughs> I, I feel, Gil, I feel like we've done this like a lot, <laughs> you and I. and um, We have. It's, it's never not fun, and it's never right. not funny. And there's all there's just there's always something and it, and it always ends up cracking me up. So, I mean, yeah. one day you have to, like, put one of these out there that's completely unedited at all and people and like people would see just the craziness that goes on <laughs> you know i i can yeah what i need to do is just set up a camera that's behind me shooting over my right. shoulder so they can see what really happens what really happens at the breaks what really goes um, on yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so judith you were sharing about the groups which are very important and as yeah. we talked about just now we will make sure that you get uh the links to these groups okay. so that you can get connected with those okay. but go ahead and share a little bit about those right now okay yeah and so what um there's different people that the that the father has led to this group that have written books that have their own website that are trying to do a very similar thing and the father really put it on my heart, like the, my, my responsibility is to promote them. 
And when I took that to one of the ladies, she was like, oh, that's amazing because we have our website too. And I felt like it, it's not about me promoting me. And I know this is what I love about Kingdom Talks Media is that you guys do this very well. And that we, you know, that we're here in this body to break down all those barriers, that competition and that, and that constant yeah. thing yeah. of striving to be the best, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I'm excited about it. I feel like it's just the perfect, perfect timing. And I love what Chris brings. I do want to share a testimony because one of the girl, the women on in this group shared that she has teenage sons and they really struggle with them being in, in public school. But the one thing that got them all laying down was your imagination course. Your, yeah. And they really listened to that. And I went, wow. And the other thing Father's revealing is we have one lady that's really good with babies and she works with babies and she puts on music and leads them into the heavenlies and they're all just laying on the floor floating with Father. <laughs> that's <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> like, wow. Anyway, let someone else talk. What about you, Chris? Anything else? Well, no, I mean, just, just to say I'm with you here, Judith. Um, I mean, there's no way we're going to go through the transitions we're going through right now and institutions remain unchanged. That's right. There's just no way. No. And I think, and I think this is true for so many things, whether it's health and nutrition or the way we do health care, or right. in this case, the institution of education, if it, each, if it even should be an institution. That's right. I agree. And, uh, you know, there's no way it's going to go through like, you know, this, this, the shift unchallenged in, in, in some way. And, and, um, and I think the more people do realize how much it's been shaped by a culture that really kind of values this idea of being a consumer more yeah. than being a creator. And then all this notion, like what you brought up, Judith, about imagination, yeah. about it being drilled out of us. Yeah. From such an early age, not allowed in school and any effect to kind of like try to allow it in school is always veiled. It's never like be imaginative. It's always be imaginative in exactly this way and no way, you know? <laughs> yeah. And draw a and, reindeer like this, you know? Uh, so, yeah. And, and I don't know how anybody could go into a building that's cinder blocks yeah. and, and bells and whistles and, you know, that kind of shock you out of states of, of thinking and being to make you go do something else. And Amen. I mean, I think the, the funniest part for me, or one of the funniest parts of being a teacher was, you know, I'm teaching high school students. Some of these, half of them can drive a car. Yeah. And yet they always felt like they had to ask me permission to use the bathroom. And I was like, <laughs> why? Why are you asking me that? And they're like, because that's what we're supposed to do. And I was like, I can only think of one place that would require you Oh. Ask permission to use the bathroom. That's a prison. Prison. <laughs> and I was like, when you're home and sitting in your living room, do you look at your mom and dad? And go, uh, may I have permission to go to the bathroom? Like, aren't you old enough? You know, like you can drive a car. Like we're trusting you with a two thousand pound bullet, but we don't we don't trust you to tell to go to the bathroom. You oh, know. That's Great. And great. so they would look at me like, are you for real? And I was like, yeah, I am definitely for real. I do not want to be asked. I do not want to have to tell you. You know, like, I was like, just, you know, so that I can keep my job. Tell me if you're leaving the room, you know, so that if someone, if like they call in, can you send so-and-so? Oh, no, they stepped out for a minute, you know? So uh, that's that was my policy. Just tell me you're going so I know where you are, you yeah. know? And uh, they still, they had the hardest time breaking that habit. It was actually kind of sad. So whenever they would come and say, can we go to the bathroom? I would be like, well, can you? I don't know. If you can't, you might need to see a doctor. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, you know, there's, there's, there's something that has to be reimagined 
That's about right. how how we do education. That's right. I don't know how we can expect it to happen in those prison like buildings. That's right. And That's uh, right. you know, like outside was the best thing as a teacher. I mean, I just I I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed taking the kids outside to do stuff. And uh, I even had this one idea of bringing one of my friends. It never happened. I could never get it to work. I think COVID had something to do with that. But, um, to bring in a blacksmith uh, yeah. so that it, he could like put his forge on his truck and then like the kids could watch. I mean, I taught chemistry, right? So like they could watch metal being smelted into things. I mean, there's so many lessons there, but um, you know, just things that are so hands-on and would bring you back into connection with natural processes. Beautiful. Um, anyway, those, those are my dreams. I mean, you know this Judith, cause we've talked about this a yeah, lot, but we've thought that, yeah. I mean, you know, my dream is to just have people that have passions for things. That's right. That's have an opportunity to teach the things. And to bring back a sense of hands-on practical connection with the earth kind of learning where you know how to blacksmith and you know how to garden well and you know how to manage a water table like on the property you live That's on right. and things that in a biosystem uh, amen Ain't yeah i mean like we'd be lost today <laughs> yeah. That's, right. It, it, That's right well hey yeah. this time is going by so fast we're already <laughs> through a half hour so um uh, I got a zillion questions for you, but okay. we're going to have to wait till part two. Okay. And I just want to encourage everybody. Number one, honor you, Chris and, and Judith, for coming on and being a part of this. I know that in 2021, there's going to be so much more coming. Uh, it's going to be important for us to keep this conversation going about how do we educate not just our kids, but everybody That's in this right. process. So um, just honor both of you. Thank you both for being on here. And I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up and just say to everybody, hey, uh, if you want to see part two, make sure you tune in tomorrow. If you want to see the behind the scenes, I hope we have a little bit of time for that. Then um, you'll want to become a member and uh, of our behind the scenes section. And, and you can go to our uh, website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Look for the partnership section and become a partner behind the scenes. We are listener supported and we so appreciate each and every one of you who are doing something. I know some of you are doing a great deal and so appreciate you. We look forward to uh, seeing you tomorrow in part two. We'll see you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.